We need to understand if we're going to win a war against the pacing adversaries today, we've got to spend that time digging into not only our space capstone publications, but their space capstone publication type uh, and their doctrine. And what are they saying? Because we've got to understand our adversary equally as well as we understand ourselves. Victory begins in the mind. Welcome to the Space Power Podcast, where we interview strategists and defense experts on national power in space. I'm Jason Joel, and with me is Josh Gonzalez. We are honored to be joined by U.S. Space Force Colonel Nikki Lindhorst, Commander of Space Delta 13 at Maxwell Air Force Base, Alabama. As the Delta 13 Commander, she is responsible for the development and education of 16,000 officers, enlisted, and civilians across the U.S. Space Force. Colonel Lindhorst has served in a variety of positions throughout her career, including evaluations, training, and space and missile crew operations. Prior to her current position, Colonel Lindhorst served as a Space Force Chair to the Air University President and Commandant, and as a faculty instructor at the United States Air Force Air War College. She was responsible for multiple education programs within the Space Force, many of which we will discuss here today. Colonel Lindhorst, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an honor to have you on today. You are our first uh, Space Force Guardian on the podcast, which is, uh, you know, it's exciting for us. No pressure, no pressure. <laughs> so we just read through your biography, but can you give us an overview, a bigger overview of what your responsibilities are as the Space Force Delta 13 commander? What all is part of your portfolio? Sure, I can. Uh, That's a great question. So um, the portfolio under Space Delta 13 is pretty wide. Uh, most folks don't necessarily uh, have a good understanding of uh, what all falls under Delta 13, but it starts from it's education soup to nuts, um, education for officers, education for enlisted, education for uh, civilians, and you know we're in the process of ramping that up over time. Uh, but we start out with our officer accessions. We don't own any of the officer accession programs within Delta 13, but we do have teams that are working directly um, with. USAFA um, out, out in Colorado, and then also with OTS and ROTC headquarters here at Maxwell Air Force Base. And so we start uh, at, with the education of our guardians that are coming through accessions programs. Uh, from there, we, we um, jump into professional military education, where we are doing education of our enlisted force and our officer force at episodic points in their careers. Uh, we bring them into the classroom and uh, really dive deep into topics. Uh, through professional military education. And then the third aspect of what we do day to day is uh, is the professional continuing education. Most people have heard at some point of the National Security Space Institute, uh, which resides out at Peterson Space Force Base. And they manage kind of our day-to-day education. Uh, they have a, a number of uh, colleges out there that are working with combatant commands in their uh, College of Joint Warfighting. They have College of Leadership Development out there. They're doing all of our um, leadership courses, and then the typical, um, what most people are familiar with, the Space 200, 300, they do the on-demand education courses. Uh, all of that happens within the National Security Space Institute. Great. Well, thank you for that rundown, ma'am. So I think it's safe to say that education falls under Delta 13. 
What do you see as the role of space education as it relates to building national space power? And is the Space Force kind of synchronizing that with the other military branches and their training efforts? And then also interested to hear about partnerships and training opportunities that may fall under Delta 13 within the commercial industry. Just we know that commercial industry is a huge part of how the Space Force is operating right now. Well, I'll start with the first question regarding the role of space education as it relates to building national space power. I think most people can grasp the concept of of our guardians being technical experts in their career fields. I think they grasp the need for training and resilience and uh, readiness across the force as it relates to training. But to jump onto the education side of it, uh, one, one of my... Um, Unit commanders the other day made a comment that, or he coined kind of the term, victory begins in the mind. And I, I really latch onto that. I think that's a great way to look at education because, yes, day to day, our guardians are going to do uh, the business to get, uh, to get the mission done. Um, but we have to underpin that with how we think about what it is that we do. What do we think about space power? What do we think about our adversaries? What do we think about how we employ space power? What does that mean for our force? What does that mean for our national security? And day to day, guardians, and I would I would even argue that probably out in the commercial world and with our international partners struggle day to day to find that time to really sit down and think about how are we going to be successful and how are we going to support national security from a uh, from the space domain? And what education does is it provides that baseline to really begin thinking about how we employ space power. And then it brings our guardians and partners back day to day, or excuse me, at, at points in their career to really sit down and think about it. We need to be able to think about who is, who is our adversary, uh, how do they think about us? And we provide that opportunity and that time to really disengage from the day-to-day mission and really dig into how, how best can, am I gonna be able to employ my systems or execute my mission while I'm thinking about how uh, victory comes from, you know, what, the work that we're doing in education uh, and how we think about uh, what it is that we do day to day. Your second question, the, uh, is the Space Force working with other military branches to synchronize space training efforts? You know, we, we've been doing this since even before the U.S. Space Force stood up. Uh, you read in my bio that I, I have been working in the education arena for really the last six years. I was teaching at the uh, U.S. Air Force Air War College, and I was also supporting the uh, AU com- commander in um, really advancing space education um, around the base here. And we've had a team really infusing space across Air Force education systems. And, and, and as part of that, I worked very closely with the other service schools, tried to uh, provide whatever materials I could to them so that they, because they were, they were struggling to trying to figure out how, how much space do we need to put in um, and into our content and, and curriculum. And so we've been working with them for a long time. Um, going forward, we continue to work with them. One of our big efforts coming up is standing up a captain's course. And I know we'll get into this a little bit later, uh, but we've been out at the different service schools looking at how are they educating and developing their captains in each of the rest of the services. And we're bringing that back as part of our effort to figure out how best do we need to do that for our guardians. And so, yeah, absolutely working with the other services, bringing them into our courses at the ILE and SLE level, and uh, really infusing space in their curriculum and then looking, we definitely covet their 
um, perspectives on uh, their joint missions and how, how that relates in our classrooms. Um, partnering with commercial industry, that, that tends to be a little bit more difficult on the education side. Uh, we certainly uh, bring in content from, from those in the commercial industry who are putting content out there through publishing and whatnot. We talk about it in the classroom. Uh, we definitely um, have a, a lot of discussion about that. Um, would love someday, you know, maybe down the road, we'll have an opportunity to bring commercial industry more into the classroom. But right now, it's a little challenging to do that because of constraints that we have on our education systems, being military versus um, versus the commercial world. But we do actually take visits out to uh, commercial industry. We go overseas and we we our, our SLE classes go overseas and they work with commercial industry and talk to commercial industry and other partnering nations. And so we, we, we make those connections as best we can within the constraints that we have. One of the things we didn't uh, ask about initially, but just hearing you talk about commercial industry makes me think about academia. I know that Air University has, has hosted a summer workshop on teaching space or SWATs for the past few years where college level faculty and and some advanced graduate students can learn about the fundamentals of space and, and how to teach space to others. What has the response been from the academic community? And is this a program you'll anticipate continuing in the future? And do you have any other touch points with the greater uh, academic community when it comes to space education? Yeah, so SWATS is a, is a great program. We've gotten a, a great feedback from that. In fact, every year that, that we've hosted that, um, there's been a um, a bigger need and desire for those outside of our university to really get in on that. Um, our faculty that are associated um, with Shriver uh, Space Scholars and, and West Space Scholars at the Air War College have really put on a great program each year, and uh, the, the desire to get into that is growing. And so right now, you know, we can't open enough seats to get enough people in. I do think that we'll continue. I like to see it continue in the future um, as we uh, begin to stand up independent uh, PME for the Space Force, which is kicking off this summer. Um, we may look to move that to where we're, uh, where it's co-located with our schools. I think it's a great partnership. Um, I think that I think civilian institutions and the folks that are coming to that SWATS are learning a great deal about how to teach space from a, you know, not just a, a DOD perspective, but um, how we partner across commercial industry, civilian institutions, our international partners, and they're able to take that back into their own classrooms, which builds the community and the enterprise even that much more for those who are not maybe have day-to-day -day in, uh, interaction with the Department of Defense. And so it's also a great partnership for us because it teaches our, you know, we bring in speakers from all over the place to come in and speak, and it gives our faculty that more rich depth of understanding of what's being uh, taught in the civilian institutions as well. So it's a really great partnership. You mentioned that you're working to revitalize SOS, looking at some of the other military services. For example, me coming from the Army, our Army Captain's Career Course is nearly five months and SOS is, I believe it's six weeks. So yeah, I definitely think there's a nice, there's a, there's a big difference between those two and there's a lot of opportunity where you can kind of take ideas from other services and merge them together. And moving past that, you said we are getting ready to jump into the revitalization of PME this summer. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with that, the Space Force is separating some of its resident professional military education programs 
away from Air University here at Maxwell Air Force Base, and they're actually moving their intermediate and senior senior developmental education programs to Washington, D.C. to partner with Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. So could you shed some light on why the decision was made to move away from Air University and why the Space Force chose to partner with the Civilian Institute rather than doing the more traditional Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps method of building an in-house command and staff and war college? Yeah, I'm happy to discuss that. I do, first, before I jump into that, I want to pull the thread a little bit on um, your your kind of your transition piece there regarding the um, revitalizing SOS and how does that relate to what we're doing for our guardians. And so, um, yes, there's a vast difference between the amount of time, right, between uh, what the Air Force has allotted for their captain's course development and uh, what some of the other services doing. It's more in line with some. Uh, we definitely have learned that the Army's is, is much longer. But, you know, the thing you have to point out with that is that each captain's course for each service has different goals and, and objectives, right? So what we're doing, the Air Force does very well in, in getting their uh, folks through in a small amount of time. They they dive into some great leadership education as well as a smattering across, you know, all of the career fields. It's a, it's a wide amount of career fields uh, that come to that. And there's definitely benefit to having all of the career fields in the classroom and being able to um, really um, learn from each other. And I know on the air, uh, on the Army side in particular, since you brought that up there, you guys, are, you, when you go off to your captain's course, it's just your MOS or your SFSC, uh, vice having them all come in together. So there are just differences. In the meantime, I will say that, you know, in the, in the time we are, we are looking to potentially bring a U.S. Space Force captain's course online sometime in FY25. Take some time to plan things like that out. We don't know where it would be. We are really on the front end of that. Um, and we have to budget for it, right? Because everything comes down to making sure you have the resources in order to execute a mission like that. It's a very important mission. Um, in the meantime, we are lockstep in with SOS. Uh, they have amazing objectives and outcomes for their uh, courseware. And they have allowed us to really develop a bridging strategy for our guardians that are coming to Maxwell through SOS. Our guardians that are coming through now are getting a vastly different experience than they were even a class ago. So the class that's in session um, currently are in guardian-only flights. Um, they have some curriculum that is, uh, that is different from the, the Air Force side of the seminars. You can imagine, you know, instead of air power, they're getting space power and then a number of other different lessons. But overarching objectives um, and learning outcomes uh, have remained the same. And we are making changes uh, at, at, a, at a lower level in order to provide an experience to our guardians. It is valuable to them and it prepares them to go back and lead at the next level and uh, really get the mission done when they go back to, you know, the three field command. So we're really excited about this bridging strategy and the um, guardians that are here are giving us great feedback, and we'll continue to grow that um, while we are preparing for the next thing, which would be a Space Force Captain's course. Now, to jump back into your other question, you were asking me um, about um, the resident professional military education programs and how we are um, standing those up and moving those away from Air University next year. That's actually this year, this summer. So for those of you who are listening in who have heard the terms all your career, um, if you're tied with the, uh, with the Air Force, uh, have IDE and SDE, Intermediate and Senior Level, level Development Education, uh, we're 
departing from that terminology, so you'll hear me use the terms ILE and SLE, intermediate and senior level education. Um, it's a little bit more joint terminology, so we adopted that going forward with our mindset to really focus in on joint because, frankly, um, from a space perspective, um, it's absolutely critical day to day that uh, we are protecting and defending what we have on orbit. Uh, but we all recognize that the, the real criticality of doing that and ensuring that our capabilities uh, remain intact is because we're there, you know, we're providing uh, so much to the joint services. They can't fight today without space capabilities. And what we do is critical to that. But we need to, to really focus in on, on the joint aspect of how are we supporting our um, sister services uh, going forward. So we, we chose to use ILE SLE. And yes, we are stepping out. Um, currently, most people are familiar with Shriver Space Scholars. We're in our third or fourth year. I believe we started in 2000, academic year 2018. And uh, that's going strong. We have four seminars. And then we have one seminar that stood up. We're in our third um, iteration of West Space Seminar at the Air War College. Uh, we have faculty in place. Those folks are, are teaching this year under the Air University umbrella. But starting at, at the end of this academic year, they have been in preparation this past year to step out and we are taking those seminars. And we have established a partnership with Johns Hopkins University SICE, as you mentioned, uh, in Washington, D.C. This is not at their Baltimore location. It's downtown D.C. And we will be executing ILE and SLE uh, from Washington, D.C. at JHU SICE this summer. Um, it's a great partner partnership. We're really excited about it. Our core curriculum that you're used to getting in ILESLE, uh, any sister service school, remains intact. Our Delta 13 faculty will teach that. Um, we'll ensure that JPME accreditation certification um, is complete. So anybody who comes through our course would still get that uh, joint PME credit. Uh, and so our faculty will be responsible for all of that. And that's about um, half of the accredited curriculum. The other half of it is where we're really tying in with Johns Hopkins University size and allowing our students to partner with uh, with JHU size and take elective courses that the J that that come out of the JHU size elective uh, book. So there are a wide swath, as you can imagine. Say size is uh, the the master's degree that the students will get as a master's in international public policy. And so you can imagine the wide swath of topics that fall under that, um, the, under that master's degree. Our students will still be able to take our faculty's electives. Our faculty's electives will be more geared towards, you know, Department of Defense and, and what their, our faculty's interests are. Uh, but they'll be able to be in classrooms with Johns Hopkins University students, which provides another rich touch point for our students that they wouldn't otherwise get, which is exciting. They'll, there's just so many benefits. I could go on and on about the benefits of why um, partnering with a civilian uni university was um, a, a good choice for us. Not necessarily a good choice for every service, but some of the reasons we looked at doing that was because our first CSO, General Raymond, was adamant about the importance of developing guardians. He said in, um, in his uh, initial guidance that he sent out right after the Space Force stood up, he said, and in the commander's planning guidance, one of the only things that really the only thing that really falls under Starcom today um, that he said we need to get after was professional military education. And he said, we have to have indep more independent PME by summer of 23. And that was 
like a year and a half ago. So huge, huge goal for us to get that up and running by this coming summer, summer 23. Um, and we had some laid some groundwork with the seminars, but we had to find a solution that worked for the Space Force. And, you know, building a traditional service school like the rest of the services have where they have, you know, their own classrooms and their own buildings and their own support infrastructure was not going to be something we were going to be able to get across the finish line by summer of 23. So we really had to take a clean sheet approach of how we do education. And everybody, top to bottom, really understood the value of our education system partnering with civilian education and really growing that bond between civilian institutions and what we're doing across the Department of Defense, not and the, particularly the Space Force, not just from a PME perspective, but there's all sorts of other things going on re relative to research and university partner programs. And those don't really fall under me at this time. But from an education perspective, we thought that might be a good way to go. I'll also say, you know, that we will always we're not leaving Air University. We will always have guardians in classrooms at Air University, just like we put guardians at Army War College and Naval Command and Staff College and Marine Corps Staff College. We will always continue to do that. We will have students at Air Force, Air War College and Air Force, uh, Air Command and Staff College. But really, one of the other aspects to it is we want to be able to develop our guardians. We need to be able to determine what's important uh, for us and how and, and our uh, quest to do that development. But at the same time, it, it's important that we uh, we step aside, step out and let the Air Force focus their attention on developing airmen. That's what they're really good at. And that's what they need to be doing. They need they need to develop their own airmen. And I don't know um, if it was the right would have been the right move to continue to try and insert our guardians development into that same, you know, bucket. And so this allows us to develop our guardians in the way we need to. And it, and it, and it takes the pressure off the air force uh, and air university in particular from having to develop our guardians when they really need to be focused in their own eye on their own ball, which is uh, developing air power um, experts. Yeah, I think the, like you highlighted the the variety of of electives and the interaction with you know civilian academic students at John Hopkins will be a pretty big game changer uh, for guardians going through that program. You touched on that. You touched on a captain's level course. Are there changes in the works for any enlisted professional military education uh, for guardians in the future? That's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that question, Jason. A absolutely. We actually are further ahead on the um, enlisted education development side uh, for PME than uh, we have are on the officer side. There's many reasons for that. Um, but when the Space Force stood up, we acquired Vossler Peterson NCO Academy uh, from, from the Air Force. And so we, we had that earlier on. So we had some infrastructure there and some faculty to be able to really move out and get after the SIMSIF's um, priorities for uh, developing the uh, enlisted guardians that we have. And what we started with, so as soon as that step, stepped out, while we were still uh, we and are still connected with Air University in a number of places, we were able to move out and really already start looking at where can we inject the curriculum that we need to in the 
NCO Academy for our guardians. Eventually went to guardian only in the NCO Academy so that we could really get after that development. I've had a lot of folks, I'll take an aside here just real quick. I've had a lot of schoolhouses where I've started looking at separating our guardians into separate flights and separate classrooms, bring up the risk of pulling guardians out of classrooms where the airmen are or um, mostly where the airmen are. And what I've what I've tried to focus on is, again, like we're really young. We need to take some time to figure this out. And we've got to be able to develop our guardians the way we need to develop them. And so for now, I think down the road, you may see some of the education opportunities uh, mix a little bit again, um, much like we do in the um, JPME, ILESLE levels. But for right now, we need to kind of circle the wagons around our guardians and really dig in on developing our guardians. And so we're doing that. We're also doing that on the enlisted sites. We started out with enlisted guardian only NCO Academy. And then not uh, last fall, we graduated our, or maybe it was last spring, we graduated our first senior NCO Academy class. So we started up every, in the, on the Air Force side, all guardians and airmen were coming to Maxwell to go through senior NCO Academy. Great program that the Barnes Center puts on over there. We've learned a lot from what they offer. Um, and in we we, we looked at that, and then we started up our own senior NCO academy. So almost all of our guardians, with few exceptions, are coming to Vossler um, Academy at Peterson and attending senior NCO academy there. And we've started to develop the curriculum that we need to in order to develop the guardians uh, that the that the um, that the field needs, and we need as leaders going forward. And the next step is to look at what does a junior enlisted guardian course look like. Um, when do we execute something like that? Do we need one? Um, how, uh, how do we execute it? Where we, if we execute one, it would be at Vossler as well. Um, but you know, what are the other, uh, opportunities we have to develop our enlisted guardians at the junior grade? And so that's the big push now in this next year, uh, to get after is that junior enlisted guardian course. And then the other kind of cool thing that we're thinking through right now, and at some point in the near future, uh, you'll you'll see um, we'll publish our vision, education vision and roadmap, and you'll see some of the things we've been thinking through and what some of the goals we would like to get through. We think it's really important that we build on this teaming aspect of our officer and enlisted corps, um, and we need to bring that into the classroom. And what I mean by that is. You know, in the in the on the ops floor, or in the office, in our offices, we work very closely with our enlisted force, and they look, work very closely with us. And we really build teams at a much younger um, points in our careers. And so, what we would like to do is look at how do we how do we team them up in education. We won't put them in the same classroom necessarily for you know for their level of education, but is there an opportunity at the end of um, each episodic point in a career on the officer and the enlisted side where they come through that level of PME. And then at the end of it, we bring them together for maybe a week. And we talk about, hey, what did you learn in your classroom? What did you learn in your classroom? Maybe do a war game so that they have an opportunity before they go back to the field in order to really think from an education perspective, hey, what did I learn about my adversary in this class? What did I learn about joint planning in this course? How do I execute this on the, on the floor before I go back? and have an opportunity to, to put that together in a classroom setting, and then we send them back. I think that makes them um, better prepared to work together on the ops floor. 
I think that's fantastic. Bringing everybody together to to share experiences, not only share experiences, but um, to to forge a common bond and and make the team as a whole more effective when they get back into the operational environment. You've touched a few times now on some space centric curricula, not only for for officer training, but enlisted training and education as well. I know um, Space Force recently graduated its first all guardian flight from officer training school. And you mentioned some first that happened in the last year. You talked about some of the different training that they were receiving, maybe getting space power instead of air power. Are there any differences between these guardian and, and uh, maybe the air force flights? And do you see uh, an expansion of guardian specific, not only accession programs, but continuing education uh, beyond what, what we've discussed already? I don't see any time in the near future us separating our own ROTC or OTS. And there's some discussion on the OTS piece down the road. ROTC is a different animal, right? Because we are only commissioning between, depending on the year, 117 officers to 143 officers out of ROTC each year. Really, you've got detachments that are bigger than that. And so for us to to really bring stand up our own ROTC detachments doesn't make a whole lot of sense because really you're looking at putting them at two or three, maybe four universities. And that really ties your hands for, um, you know, pretty much the rest of the nation, right? Like we are very interested in bringing diverse thinkers, diverse experiences to the, to the force and, and tying us down to a few universities is just really not within our best interests. And so we are working within um, within headquarters Air Force, with Air, headquarters Air Force ROTC to really kind of redesign education for our guardians. And it's, it's kind of difficult to do. I'm going to come back to that in a second. We already talked about the breakout of the flights at SOS as a bridging strategy until we do have our own captain's course. You mentioned um, the separate flights uh, at OTS. And yes, we just graduated our first uh, guardian-only flights at OTS. We're getting ready. Uh, next week begins the second set of uh, o- uh, flights that we will have coming through OTS. Bigger class this time. Really excited about it. I think that, you know, I tell people all the time, like, I can take a lesson. Let, let's even just say it's air power. I can take a lesson on air power and I can put our guardians in a classroom with everybody else in the, the Department of the Air Force being developed with them and have a, an airman standing in front of the classroom. They'll do a great job with that lesson and in that classroom. But if I take those same guardians and I pull them in a flight by themselves, teaching the exact same lesson with a guardian as the, as the, um, the uh, faculty member in the front of the classroom, the, the, the discussion's just going to be different. They're going to look at air power from a widely different perspective than they would if they're in an, uh, an air power course mixed in with other airmen, let's say. In a guardian class, they're going to talk about Hey, what? How is air power important to us? What are we doing to support? How do we make sure that we continue to, you know, to provide the space capability that they need? And what does space power mean to us from a reference point of air power? Right? There's, you're just going to get a different discussion, and so that's why it's important we separate them out. Um, where do I see us moving a little more towards that in the future? We do have some other work. I mentioned ROTC. Uh, we're working with headquarters ROTC and the commandant there, and we're thinking through and moving towards identifying our guardians a year earlier in ROTC than we have in the past. In the past, up through this year, 
um, or through last year, we would identify our guardians and select our guardians to come to the Space Force in spring of their junior year. And we're working with them. This was really ROTC push to do this, headquarters ROTC commander pushing this. So they are really definitely, uh, they're really interested in helping us develop as best we can guardians when they graduate. They don't feel like airmen who now just have blue name tapes on. They understand a little bit more about uh, the Space Force and space power and what it's going to be like to lead in the Space Force. And so by developing them this way and we identify them a year early, then they come to field training. If they get a slot to come to field training, they'll come to Maxwell. This summer, we have already got, if we can, if we, uh, we put the button on this and button this up, this summer they will get about half of their time here at Maxwell in their field training will be separated. They'll be being taught by Guardian ROTC instructors, and then my team here will help support this as well. And they'll have an entire week of field training, which it's just separate and a different experience for them. And then when they go back, that we already know who they're going to be. We won't know what AFS, excuse me, SFS they're going to go to. We don't know what career field they'll be in. But we will be able to spend two full years knowing for sure that they're going to come in and be guardians in two years. And I can better develop them for the field um, by having that full two years to do that. It's great to hear all these changes that are coming along. I think it's that one particularly is important that they'll start to identify as guardians a lot sooner in their college careers and really understand what their future is going to look like and start to develop themselves a little bit more. So I think that's great. We're doing the same thing at OTS. By breaking them out on separate flights, I can give them different lessons. We give them different experiences. Our OTs, guardian trainees, we take them down to Eglin. Uh, at the end of their course, they get an opportunity to walk in on the ops floor and see what's going on, and they really start to pull that together. Um, they're learning more about the culture of the Space Force. They're seeing more culture items. They're seeing our flag. They're seeing our core values. In fact, this uh, last class that just graduated um, OTS, all of the airmen and guardians were out on the parade field, and they got to the point where we're singing the service songs, and and they learned both songs. So the, this is the first class that the uh, that the airmen uh, also knew the Space Force song. So that was pretty exciting. We're continuing to develop this and, and pushing it throughout their experience while they're in OTS and ROTC. And I think it'll be better prepare not just the Guardians, but in some way the the Airmen so they kind of understand where we are headed in the Space Force as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm loving these changes. Uh, so changing topics slightly, you had previously mentioned uh, the Commander's Planning Guidance that General Raymond had put out that kind of gave Starcom taskings to start establishing our own ILE, SD, SLE, all that. So in the Space Capstone publication, one of the first few pages says that it provides a basis for training and education. So I'm wondering if there is anything that you and your role as a Delta 13 commander or Starcom in general kind of latched onto in those pages that you all have been implementing into any recent education changes. The Space Capstone publication, you know, that that kind of preceded some of the doctrine that we have coming out now. There's a lot of efforts underway with doctrine and concepts that are being developed on like, hey, what what do we think about space power in as as guardians in the space force and space professionals? Um, and, and the Space Capstone publication was kind of the precursor to all of that. We lean heavily, I know, on the on the Space Capstone publication. I, I kind of have this mindset of like, we're, we're, we're in the middle of Shriver War Games. Just showed up. They all showed up today here at Maxwell, and uh, they're kicking that off. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll be um, getting to see how that plays out. And, you know, War Games kind of feed into doctrine. And, and by doctrine, I know Space Capstone Publication wasn't 
specifically doctrine, but kind of in that same arena, more of a concept. And doctrine informs education. And so these publications are incredibly important to what we do in the education business. And they should really be the foundation for what we're learning and what we're teaching in the classroom to um, our guardians and joint partners and international partners as well and our civilians that come through our courses. So while there's a great deal in there that I'm, sh- I'm certain, I, can't, I won't speak for Delta One, that they've incorporated and already probably had in a lot of ways in their um, curriculum, we are moving from an edu- uh, Air Force-centric program with Air Force objectives and program goals, rightfully so. And we've spent the last year really focused in on ILE and SLE because that's the first thing we're going after. And then on the enlisted side in NCO Academy and Senior NCO Academy, um, we're starting to really move out on like, how how do we develop our guardians? Like what does, because we're prescribed particularly on the joint side from Joint Staff J7, what it is as each of the services needs to impart in their military education programs. And so we are, will use documents like the doctrine that's being published now, Space Capstone publication, to really inform our education in the classroom. What does our curriculum look like? What are our students reading about? What are they thinking on? And then we'll add in even the, the you know, fill the holes with things like, hey, who are our adversaries? What do they think about space power? How are they developing their uh, per- space professionals? What do they think about how we're developing our space professionals? Education is really going to be the place where we are able to, yes, we've got to think about like, how are we going to employ space power, but we've got to spend a, a lot of time thinking about our adversary. We need to understand if we're going to win a war against the pacing adversaries today, we've got to spend that time digging into not only our space capstone publications, but their space capstone publication type uh, and their doctrine and what are they saying because we've got to understand our adversary equally as well as we understand ourselves victory begins in the mind i think that's a great way to to begin to wrap up this this podcast victory begins in the mind i i feel like that should become the motto for delta 13 because i think i think that's I such a good phrase i totally stole stole it last week from the nssi commandant but i told him i was going to do it so i'll give him props uh colonel clock it was his it, it's his coin but i'm going to I'm going to take it, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to to wrap things up for us here, Colonel, uh, we've got some questions we like to ask all of our guests. If listeners are interested in learning more about space education, where can they go? Do you have any recommended books, articles, podcasts, things that they could seek out on their own? We're really early in this um, venture for space education specifically. And I would say I haven't come across anything published specifically on space education. Not to say it's not out there, um, but uh, I think it will grow over time. But if you have folks who are interested in what's going on in space education from a U.S. Space Force Force perspective, be on the lookout for the education vision and roadmap. We're putting in the final touches on that. That'll give you a lot uh, of what we've been talking about over the course of this podcast and uh, should be out pretty soon. Uh, The Starcom commander should be getting that on his desktop in the next um, short period of time. If you're looking for great books and articles and places to find more out about what we are teaching on, I would say start with the NSSI reading list. They put it out annually. A lot of the books that we use have at one point or another 
um, been published on the NSSI reading list. They've been putting that out for at least the last 10, 12 years. And so you can go to their website and get it, uh, get that there. Um, our faculty, I will, I will take a second to plug on our PhD faculty. We have put together, I would argue, um, the preeminent group of PhD faculty that are teaching on space in the classroom. They come from amazing universities from around this country and overseas. We, a year and a half or so ago, uh, brought a, a teammate on from, he was teaching at Cambridge University in the UK. So that just goes to show you the, the interest and the excitement of the faculty and, and their desire to really help us advance space education for the Space Force. We're really excited about it. And they are beginning to publish as well. They've been publishing, but they're starting to focus uh, more on uh, what it is that we're doing and what we're teaching in the classroom and that what their interests are. Um, we have one faculty member that just signed a, 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 a deal to work with MIT Publishing in order to put a book out. So that'll be being worked on over time. So be looking for that down the road. Um, our director of Shriver Space Scholars, Dr. Greg Miller, just put a book out called Sun Tzu in Space, What International Relations, History, and Science Fiction Teach Us About Our Future. That'll be available soon. Um, I would pick that one up. And it, the list goes on and on. You, If you um, have a list of who our faculty are, go search them on uh, Google or LinkedIn, and you'll see uh, what they're publishing out there. So I'll put the, uh, the, the plug in for them first, because they're really writing some really great thought pieces and um, content that uh, you can learn a lot from. We're so excited we got to have you on the show today. We really appreciate hearing your thoughts on space education and, and how it pertains to uh, space power. So we'd big thank you from both Jason and I. This was great, and I'm looking forward to putting this out so everybody else can hear the, the future for space education. Well, thanks for having me. It's been, it's been fun. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please give us a follow and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.